Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and time for another every two-week look at what's fallen off our bookshelves and into our hands and what we thought about it. Really a, a good couple weeks of reading. You have a lot of things to talk about. Well, I hadn't last time, but I've tried to make up for lost time, so, All you right, know. tell us what you've got. Okay, uh, kind of a biography kick. Um, I had three and maybe four, depending on how you count them, biographies. The first one was Gunslinger by Jeff Perlman, uh, which is about Brett Favre, the NFL quarterback. Um, enjoyed Perlman as a writer. Thought it was a very thorough depiction of Favre. The sad thing always, I feel like every biography I read of an athlete, I should kind of see this coming. The tension in the narrative is always the price that you pay for an unwavering commitment to be the greatest quarterback, shooting guard, pitcher, whatever you are, race car driver, whatever the thing is, uh, and, and the price that exacts. And some of it, I think, is almost a requirement. You have to be stupidly singular in your focus to be the best in the world at anything. But some of it comes out of hubris. And I've seen that. You know, I read a book about Michael Jordan that felt that way. This Favre book really felt that way. Um, a guy who's capable of, of some real decency and humanity and a guy who's capable of being a real big overgrown child. And <laughs> that's kind of where Perlman takes it. Uh, he just kind of tells the story and gets out of the way. Uh, it was interesting. I don't know that I, you know, if you want to know more about Brett Favre, it's definitely the way to go. I, I probably like Perlman's book about the Lakers that just came out a little better. And his uh, book about the USFL is Top shelf stuff. So those are two I'd probably hit first. But if like me, you dig Jeff, uh, you wouldn't go wrong with this one. It's it's a good read, and I learned a lot. Well, sounds like a good one. So we get that Thomas Jefferson, The Art of Power by John Meacham, uh, continuing my quest for presidential biography. So that's three down. Yeah, and this is the rare presidential book that I read before you. Yeah, yeah, you you had this book. I think you had a signed copy, thanks to I Parnassus. I did, I got this through Parnassus First Editions Club, mm -hmm. and it has been so many years ago that I remember absolutely nothing. Well, it's a good book. Uh, Meacham is probably incapable of writing a bad one. Right. Uh, Jefferson's life is so massive and sprawling, I feel like it was probably kind of hard to contain and I will say I probably like David McCullough's John Adams a little bit better just because Adams shone through a little bit clearer. Jefferson is kind of an enigma. Uh, I remember thinking this book felt really dry. Well, and, and it's hard not to do that, particularly with a guy who there's not... With, with Adams, there are so many letters. All of Adams' papers were kept up so well. And, of course, he wrote to his wife so much. You get, yeah. I think, a better picture of Adams than you do of any of the founding fathers. And Jefferson wasn't like that. There are so many mysteries and, and you know, <laughs> rumors and innuendo and, and half-truths that circulate around the guy that I still think he's kind of hard to pin down. Yeah, you can correct me if I'm wrong because, again, I said I don't really remember this. But it seems to me that Meacham, of course, had done an impeccable job of research. There was so much to learn from this, but he really expressed a lot of questions in his writing, too, about things yeah. that were just left open. Well, and of course, the Sally Hemings thing is a big deal. Um, it sounds like we can pretty much say definitively at this point that those were Thomas Jefferson's children. And obviously that opens up a whole wealth of 
questions about uh, that relationship. But, uh, you know, Meacham does a good job. It's a good overview of Jefferson. Uh, if I had a criticism, it's that you just never really get that far into the man. But I don't think that's Meacham. I think that's just Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but a good read uh, from an excellent writer. And then also The Past is Never Dead, The Life of William Faulkner, Volume 1 by Carl Rollison. Um, interesting literary biography here. Rollison does what he has to do in terms of the fact that, you know, he, he's done his research on Faulkner's life, but he's also done incredible research on Faulkner's work because I don't think you can really do literary biography and just say he was from here, he went over here. You've got to get into, okay, the character here seems like he's talking about this person, Uh, particularly for somebody like Faulkner, whose work is drawn so heavily out of his life in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, One one thing I give Rollison high credit on that I don't think any of the other Faulkner biographies I've read, I didn't realize that still Mrs. William Faulkner also was a writer, and he has read her stuff, and oh, wow. he talks about her impact on Faulkner's early work. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is an avenue I've never seen. I've got volume two. I'm definitely looking forward to it. He's an incredibly thorough, professional writer. Probably of these three, I would give him the nod as as my pick for the top spot of the three, although all were excellent. Um, now, you've been reading this one for quite some time. I have. I have. I, I'm also in, in second to my presidential quest is my quest <laughs> to go through the whole works of Faulkner. Again. Uh, which I, I've never read everything, so oh, that's really? part of it. No, no, no. Hmm. I've got the five-volume Library of America, and I'm in the middle of volume three. But, I mean, that's a novel at a time, so I've got to kind of <laughs> clear some space for that. So I'm stopped on that. So the good thing is I've gotten about where Rollis had had, you know, in... in his life of Faulkner in my reading of Faulkner, so I don't well, know. I was thinking about, while you were talking about the Rollison book, how this would, even if you, it, it, even if it wasn't um, an author that you admire that much, the way that he talks about those characters with the author's life, I mean, you wrote your honors thesis about a similar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's it's very much in your wheelhouse. Yeah, Faulkner and, and Southern Womanhood was mm-hmm. something I spent a lot of time with. <laughs> I, I appreciate I his remember. work on it. Yeah. Uh, I also read a book called 42 Today, which was edited by Michael Long, various authors. It was contemporary takes on Jackie Robinson. Um, and, and, you know, I feel kind of like we're talking about that Beatles book we talked about. The problem with a book of essays is that they can vary based on the individual writer and the individual topic. Um, this had a really wide range. Some of these I found really interesting. Um one of them, I know, was about Robinson and Methodism, uh, because huh. he was a Methodist. So that that was an interesting one. Uh, there was one that put Robinson in context of athletes uh, speaking out on social issues. Of course, he's one oh, of the wow. first, yeah. but it went from him all the way up to 2020. Uh, so that was a really interesting one. I mean, the most out there, the last one in the uh, the last essay in the collection was uh, it was like the hunt for a gay Jackie Robinson, the idea that, you know, whoever the pioneer would be in terms of athletes, uh, whoever the pioneer is in terms of a gay athlete, that inevitably whoever you are who's a first in anything in sports, you're the, you know, the female Jackie Robinson or the Chinese Jackie Robinson. Well, the idea was, you know, so let's look at at, at gay athletes and, and talk about this. So that, that An was... An interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah, that that was... 
probably a little more out there than most of the rest, but it, it was a worthwhile collection and always important to think about a guy like Jackie Robinson in a contemporary vein. Again, one close to my heart as I did my own uh, <laughs> battle with that topic. But, and it's uh, a very, very good book that you wrote. All eight people who've read it uh, seemingly agree, including my own family. (laughs) I think it was my favorite one. I really liked it. I I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, And then the last two, I did two YA books. I did Roberto and Me by Dan Gutman, uh, which is his baseball card adventure series. Read these with our son. Uh, Did you do these with Ryan? Yes. Okay. So the, the baseball card adventures, the kid can travel through time with a baseball card. He goes back in time to try to save Roberto Clemente. He doesn't want Clemente to get on the plane that's going to crash, that's going to end his life at, at like 40 years old, whatever age he was. Um, and, of course, he, he fails. He, can't, he, he tells Roberto everything, and Roberto listens to him. But, Roberto, there's an axiom of Clemente's that's in there, which is that if you have the ability to do something to help people and you don't do it, what good is life? Uh, and, and that's kind of what Clemente says to the kid. It's kind of what the kid takes back. I won't give a spoiler, but we've read several of these books. This is like five or six of these baseball card adventures we've read. This one's my favorite. Uh, he goes into the future this time, which is something the kids and I had always been like, what, what, well, I won't ever do this. And he had a good cop-out because he travels time with baseball cards. And he's like, I don't have any baseball cards from the future. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. But somebody in the future has an old baseball card. And lo and behold, <laughs> we get to see that. So a fun book, a good book, uh, a good series. But I think Roberto and me, probably the best of the bunch. And then the other one was Miss Daisy is Crazy from his Crazy <laughs> School series, which my eight-year-old absolutely loves. Um Miss I need to try some of that. You guys listen to them on audio quite a lot. We, we've done some of those on audio, and that was then we we wanted to start the series. So Miss Daisy's Crazy is number one. We're reading the second one now. So, you know, these are pretty short books. They're a lot of fun. AJ is the kid who's the narrator. He's a lot like our son. The whole first book, he's like, I, I, I don't want to go to school. School's dumb. Why should I have to learn this? And the teacher is really brilliant. The teacher's like, I don't know how to multiply. You guys are going to have to show me. And by (laughs) pretending to be a complete fool, the kids are like, you don't know that this is this? And and they learn everything. She's great. (laughs) Miss Daisy is actually quite crafty. But anyway, uh, enjoy Gutman stuff. That one's definitely very YA. But, uh, you know, yeah, the kids have had fun with that series. And and enough that we're starting at the beginning and we're going to go through all those. Maybe I'll get Ryan to read me one of them. Reading goals abound. All right, well, yeah, it was a super productive week for you. Um, I read four books this week, these past two weeks. The first one is Finley Donovan is Killing It by L.A. Cosimano, and this was just really fun. Um, The premise is that Finley Donovan is a divorced mom of two who is struggling to finish the novel that she's contracted to write, and she absolutely does not know where she's going to go with it. Um, As she discusses this novel with her agent at a local Panera Bread, um, (laughs) long story there, but anyway, um, they're talking about the novel very much the way the characters in her novel would have talked about their crimes. So, you know, like, put this one to bed and, you know, I need more money next time, all this kind of stuff. The woman sitting next to them believes that Finley is a hitman and leaves her a note offering to pay her to 
kill someone. I mean, this happens all the time as a rider. Oh, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> so anyway, Finley is unwittingly sucked into the world of crime. Um, and it was just really, really fun to read. Um, multiple murders throughout this book. She and her friend um, solve lots of questions and um, find some success of their own. I just, it was thoroughly fun from start to finish. So if you kind of like mysteries anyway, this would be a really good one. If you're not really into mysteries, it's just funny. You should check this one out. This was a Haley recommendation, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she's one of the ones who I heard who if, really liked this If one. not, it's in her wheelhouse, I think. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the next one was Comfort Me with Apples by Ruth Reichel. This may be the last one of her books that I haven't read that's not a cookbook. Um, I really, really like Ruth Reichel. She's a food writer, and I love food memoirs. And this is this one was one of my favorites. It was kind of the beginning of her career as a food critic and what it meant for her in her personal life and how it changed things for her. I was embarrassed that I don't know who this person is, but uh, I'm definitely intrigued from the parts <laughs> you shared with me. There's, this was pretty lively. <laughs> she's She had a really lively life, and she's written several memoirs about it, all connected to her love of food. And then I read, just finished today, The Final Revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton. This was a Book of the Month Club book that I picked up um, partly because of its comparisons to Daisy Jones and the Six. How many books have I picked up over the last couple of years because people said they were like, my, that's it, my next book. I'm going to be like, I know this is a nonfiction <laughs> book about sports, but it's a lot like Daisy. Actually, I'm working on an oral history. Maybe I can you know, do that. There you go. Right, like, there's your, you've got it. your blurb. That's the hook. <laughs> Um, but this one is like Daisy Jones, an oral history of a band, a fictional band. Um, I love that. I did not know before I read Daisy Jones how much I would love an oral history, but I also really loved that oral history of The Office that we read. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I think these books are really, really fun. So that appealed to me. Also, I like to read about music. Um, as we have discovered lately, since we are all, um, you know, we all wrote our Beatles essays last week and we've been talking about music nonstop. Our son has been asking us for recommendations from when we were young. What was the music that we liked? I don't know anything about music. Like, I can't even remember what the name of songs that I liked were. Um, so it's, it's kind of crazy to me that I really like to read all these fictional books about bands and music, but they're fascinating to me. I really like them. Um, the difference is here, whereas Daisy Jones and the Six really centered on the idea of um, what will you do to achieve your dreams and then like what kinds of choices that you make in your relationships, marriage, family, etc. This book focused more on the ways that people are stopped from reaching their goals by race, by gender, um, all the ways that society tries to keep them from getting where they want to go. And then how do you discover who you are and become that person anyway? Well, and, and I feel like no offense, certainly to Daisy Jones, because we both love it. Oh, yeah, uh, but, but I feel like that's probably the more accurate and compelling story. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, renegades where Springsteen was talking about how, the podcast, the new yeah, podcast. Right. Yeah. And Springsteen says, well, you know, there were these millions of kids who bought a guitar and so many of them learned to play it. And so many of those learned to play enough to be in a band. And so many of those bands yeah, and learned less enough and less to make time. a record. Yeah, exactly. And, and he, you know, he, he gets to the point where it's like, I'm the one, you know, mm -hmm. out of the millions and millions. And that's what success in that industry is. I mean, it's so 
and, and so many bands and, and musicians are so great and they're so close. Mm -hmm. One little thing goes against them. And then they're somebody who eight people know of instead of eight million people know of. And that's very much along the lines of this book, except for the idea that despite how many choices we feel we don't have, the important choices are, ours. are always ours. Yeah. And yeah. that's what this book really brings out. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. You and I spent time talking about the themes in it and the ideas in it at great length, even though you yeah. didn't read the book. Um, it's also just, it's a very contemporary book, very current mm -hmm. um, for things that people are discussing in the culture right now. So this would be a really, really good book club book if you are lucky enough to be in a book club, which I'm not and never have been. And I've this always wanted club, right to here. be in a book club. Yeah. Except when I don't read the books quickly enough, I get chastised. Well, you haven't even read this one. So. Uh -huh. No, that's true. I, I know race is important in this and race, you know, we... A lot of the books that we've gone through and we've talked about, it's it's been, you know, kind of a central thing. And there's an element of like just the fact that we're thinking about it, just the fact yeah. that we're talking about it uh, as trying to learn, trying to get better. Right, right. Because I mean what's what's the flawed story of America that not only did the status quo exist, nobody thought about it, nobody talked about nobody it. Nobody challenged it, nobody yeah. made even movements that way. Right. So so you know, it's it's an important book in, in some ways, I think. And and also a thoroughly enjoyable book. There you go. Speaking last, of thoroughly enjoyable. <laughs> the last yeah. book that I read over these two weeks is the one um, that we're going to talk about together today. And it is called One Long River of Song by Brian Doyle. And yes, in the interest of, you know, candor and, and honesty, I have at the current time read two thirds of this book. I will read three thirds of this book. <laughs> But uh, in the course of finishing the other six, I did not quite get to the end. That said, um, I felt comfortable enough to rave about Brian Doyle and this book uh, without the last third. So bear probably, in mind, if the last third uh, it stands on its head, I'm going to come back and call I you mean, out I, on it. <laughs> I think I've read you essays from every single part of the book. I've probably read I mean, you I started reading them to the kids. That, yeah, yeah, right. I've read you enough essays that you you could be finished with this. <laughs> I couldn't stop reading them to you. I'm vicariously finished, yeah. Obviously, from what we're saying, this is a book of essays. Um, mostly very short essays. Some of them are quite long, but most of them are very, very short. Um, it is a book that seeks to explore the wonder and the magic in everyday life and everyday moments. Well, our pastor was the one who actually sent us the recommendation on this. Yes. And he said, how did he say he it? He said that this book is like if Frederick Beekner and Wendell Berry had a baby who wrote books, this is what the book <laughs> would be. <laughs> and I could see where he was coming uh, from. 100% on it. But also, you know, Beekner and Berry together, we would want to read that book. And then you also thought... Bill Bryson ought to have had a name in that And as well. not just because it was a third author whose <laughs> name started with B. I do want to point that out. But but no, uh, yeah, he, he's a little bit mischievous. Uh, I love Beekner, but Beekner is so intense and serious. Uh, and, and Barry kind of, not quite as much. Barry likes a good There's joke now and again. Yeah, but, but uh, you know, Brian Doyle, it's a rare book that will make you cry and make you laugh and definitely make you think. Make you re-examine your own world. Well, Look it, at it differently. The, the kind of umbrella under which I would put this book uh, is that Doyle 
writes about the common touches of uncommon grace. Yes. Um, he is a Catholic. He was. I want to point that out. This book is a posthumous anthology. He passed away, I believe, 2017. And some of his friends said this book needs to exist. And so they put together a collection of some of his best work. He, he did write other books. He wrote a couple of novels. Uh, but but I think, by and large, was an essayist. And, and that's kind of a lost art. So reading this, we were reading it, understanding that this was put together by people who loved him after he was gone, which right. brings just another element of the way that you understand it, mm-hmm. the way that you hear the things that he writes about becoming a father and about his own brother's death. And just, it, it's, it's a difference. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that I would say, a lot of it is fairly light. He loves nature. He loves animals. He writes about both with an attention, which is just startling at times. I mean, he, he's so, I, I told uh, you earlier, Julie, we were talking about it. He reminded me of, of Emily Dickinson, the way that Dickinson's <laughs> poetry just gets down on such a micro level. And I've heard people say it was because apparently she had really bad eyesight. She had to get right mm-hmm. next to something to be able to see it, to write about it. He gets right next to things. In one of the essays, he says it as much. He's, he's like looking at this bird that's literally right there. He's like, yeah. you know, hope oh, it doesn't come peck my eye out or something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he can do that. But at the same time, he can dive back and, and take on some big topics. I've already read one essay in here about cancer, which is what killed him. Uh, and, and his thoughts have a special poignance. He says, nobody, nobody beats cancer. Let's be honest about that. You just hold it at bay. I'm like, wow. You know, yeah, that's, that's pretty profound. Um, but I think my favorite essays, much as I enjoyed his reminiscences and his stories, were the times when he stepped back to take on a big topic because he did so with such an uncommonly thoughtful spirit uh, different from the way I've seen anybody else write about things like yeah. 9-11 and school shootings. Yeah. Um, but he did it, again, with that eye to detail and that way of making it personal. I totally get where you said that that it's some of the topics are light, and he has a light voice as he writes about them, but every single essay in this book is infused with meaning. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So there was nothing about this book that I didn't like. There were no essays that I was like, huh, I don't know why he wrote that. I don't understand what he was thinking here. Every single one of these was wonderful. Yeah. And the the fit is a little uh, bit of a hodgepodge, but again, based on the circumstances, that's... that's Right. It's not a chronological book, no. but it's easy to follow where he's going. And, and it's sort of arranged by bigger themes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a book that I don't think you really speed through at all. I couldn't speed through it because I needed to think through some of these. Obviously, I, needed, I couldn't. <laughs> I need, needed somebody to share them with. Again, I think this would be an ideal book club book. Yeah. To be able to just discuss not only what he said but what you think about these issues in your own life, what do you notice? What do you, where do you see that wonder and that magic in this one wild and precious life that you get to live? Well, and they're short, most mm-hmm. of these. I mean, there are a few of these that stretch on for eight or ten pages, but the most vast of them are majority like two. of these, yeah, two and three pages. So, you know, it, it's, it's digestible, but, yeah, you kind of want to savor it. You don't, mm-hmm. don't want to just chomp it down, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so because so many of them are very short... 
They're all beautiful. They're all meaningful. Um, if you are not a person who has really been much on reading essay collections, I think this would be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. He's a good one. And uh, I think there's something here for almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Agree. Which makes it a good place to leave. And, you, you know, feel free to get in on our conversation of what we're reading, what you're reading, what we need to read next, what we overlooked or missed. Um, we, we relish thoughts and ideas. and uh, Definitely. I finished um, Opal and Nev today and then realized that I'm entirely out of new books to read right now. My library holds haven't come in. What are we going to do? I know. So, yeah, any recommendations that you have? Fortunately, thanks to Carrie, I think Natalie is good for a while. So, you know, we, we've solicited recommendations from knowledgeable folk who, uh, who pop up and... Uh, They've come through for us, but uh, yeah, you, we might need one for you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. So send us um, anything that you've got that you think we ought to be reading, any questions that you have about things we discussed today to paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com. Yep. And we're on all those fun other social mediums, aren't we? We are. We're on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, and we're on Twitter at... Sometimes we're on Twitter. I think. I'm not sure we're always there. (laughs) (laughs) We take some naps. uh, Payback Readers Pod. So check us out, and thanks for listening, and by all means.